have the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roller with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? look great in person and I uh, just can't wait to next year we, we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey Bob, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guy's day. It was being ranked. I mean, how do you lose? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, powered by the Fantasy Points Media Group. We are coming at you strong like we do each and every week. But before we move on, we have to tell you about the early bird special going on at FantasyPoints.com. That's right, you sign up today and you will receive 30, yes, 30% off your subscription. So do it today. This is a no Raider, you get some of the best projections, best analysis. You've got guys like John Hansen himself, Scott Baird, Joe Dole, Graham Barfield, Wes Huber. The names go on and on. And you know what? Every Sunday, you can catch a little bit of way too major double F coming up strong with Nick Script every Sunday on the Fantasy Points Morning Show. How are you kicking it there today, Major? I am good, man. That was a awesome intro man you're just like the best at this good job matt well you know what those that can't do teach right and that's kind of my <laughs> thing <I'm, laughs> i i can hype up anything and that's what i'm good at doing here but i'm gonna hype up this show because we've got a good one going on today we're gonna talk a little bit about the wild card last week we're gonna preview the divisional round here this week then we've got our little bit of a running back special, some running back watch list items you need to be paying attention to, who to trade for, who to trade away. And then me and Major, Major and I, we are going to break down our top dynasty running backs. This is like a three-part show coming at you strong. And I hope you buckle up because we've got a good one for you here. But without any further ado, okay, let's, let's back backtrack this here a little bit. Before we get into the wild card, we are seeing some coaching movements, some GMs fired, and I've got to get this off my chest. <laughs> Mike Mayock should still be a Las Vegas Raider. There is no reason for him to have been let go. I mean, he took a team that was not very good. Yes, we can question some of his draft picks, but let's be honest. John Gruden made a lot of those draft picks. True. I mean, I'm not in those war rooms to make these decisions or have any kind of insider information, but a lot of those guys seem like John Gruden type guys, not Mike Mayock kind of guys. We watched NFL Network for years. Major, you and I, we're both into it. Mike Mayock knows a thing or two about the draft. He's not just about smoke and mirrors. So you know right off the get-go, those draft picks were probably not necessarily his draft picks. We're talking yeah. about a team in the Raiders that lost their coach, lost their top wide receiver. I mean, they had all kinds of issues going on in the background and still managed to get that fifth seed for the first time since 2016. And then you're going to clean house? You're going to let the GM go? I mean, I don't get it. This makes no sense to me. Major, can you make sense of this? I cannot. When I seen it, I was, like like you said, he has some questionable picks you know i think that that feral pick is one that's gonna like kind of hunt him a little bit until we can you know hopefully get that turned around 
um you know the the henry ruggs pick you know that turned you know that sad story and he didn't he pick oh he didn't pick the coach he didn't right he didn't pick gruden did he no that gruden was there before Jill. mike mayock yeah gruden gruden essentially picked mike mayock to be gotcha. his boss so yeah. that's what i'm thinking like i i think a lot of these early draft picks again i have no knowledge of the situation here I think a lot of the early draft picks were probably Gruden guys. And right. I think a lot of the late round guys, Max Crosby, were kind of the Mike Mayock selections. I think that's where the Raiders draft was better was in the later rounds and obviously in the first round because we've seen some pretty questionable. Damon Arnett, no longer with the team. Henry Ruggs, no longer with the team. Clellan Farrell, probably shouldn't be with the team. So, I mean, that, I just... That Mac, that Mac, the Mac trade at the, when, he, when he first came in, that was a tough one to swallow, but... It looked like it kind of, you know, paid out. Mac is not the player that he was with the with the Raiders, but you know, I don't know if they really capitalized on all those picks and everything they received in in that compensation package. But I I do see him getting a job again soon, if not with the team on back, you know, back on ESPN or Fox Sports or something like that. The guy's a a football savant, and um, I, I was really surprised by that one. I think with Mike Mayock, he's going to have plenty of offers out there. If you're an NFL team, I don't even know if he wants to be back in the NFL because I know it's hard to lure him out of the studio there, the NFL network to begin with. I mean, if you have a college scouting spot open, Mike Mayock has already been scouting these guys for an entire year. He mm -hmm. is ready to go into your war room today and help you become a better he could be a uh, consultant. franchise. Exactly. He's a guy you want to bring on as soon as you possibly can because he has been looking at this draft now for a full year. He knows what he wants and all this other stuff. But you know what? Maybe going back to television, I'm pretty sure ESPN or NFL Network, they would be more than happy to bring him back into their kind of uh, stable of analysis going forward. So it's not going to take long for Mike Mayock to get a job. I would have liked to see him get at least one more year to see what he could do without Gruden being right. in that war room. But you know what? That's the NFL. It's a business. And sometimes that's just the way it happens, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, we've seen this kind of stuff go on. We're watching this coach's carousel. We're watching to see who gets interviews, who's not getting interviews. And it's bringing up a lot of questions right now for us. And uh, I think a lot of us are really questioning why this guy's not getting this interview, why this guy's not getting an interview, why is this guy getting an interview, uh, especially in light of some of the coaches that have been released. I know one of the big ones out there is Eric Bieniemy. Why yeah. is he not getting a look? But, you know, this has been three years now in the making. And I really start to think that a lot of the – people who make decisions really believe that it's Andy Reid that's making these calls in Kansas city, not Eric B and Eric B is kind of the guy that just kind of guides everything into place the way it needs to be kind of like a consultant of such instead of the offensive coordinator, he's more like an offensive consultant to Andy Reid's offense here. Now, what's your thoughts on here on Eric B Because I mean, we're talking three years now. I mean, he should be in line with the head coaching job. Kansas city's offense has been good for the, tenure that he's been there but yet he hasn't been even getting a even a i think he's only got one interview lined up in this right. last go round i think there's eight head coaching spots open yeah i think there's a couple of things going on here one i think they're still in the run so i don't think uh organ other organizations are like reaching out to get that interview until they're done i'm hoping that's like the main reason um number two I think Andy Reid needs to do a better job of saying like, hey, this is Coach Bianami. This is what he did. This is that, you know, kind of push him to the forefront a little bit more. 
Um, but you hit it right on the head. Like I think everyone is uh, consistent saying that the enemy is just there with um, with Andy Reid. But I mean, we can't all say that because we've seen all the coaches from the Patriots all get opportunities, even though that we all know Belichick is the one pushing everybody in offense, defense, special teams. So I, I, I feel what you're saying, and I really hope it's just the point of the, the you know, Chiefs still being in the playoff hunt, uh, being in the championship run and all that good stuff, and they haven't had a chance to really get with Coach uh, Bionami yet. But I, I don't know, man. This is one of those things that I always – I hate to put a race card out all the time, but sometimes it's a little blatant. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I want to give it, I want to see if, if Kansas city gets knocked out within, you know, this week, next week or whatnot, then we'll see what's really going on, but he should be the number one, the way the NFL goes, like whoever's the offensive coordinator on the hottest team, they are the number one guy. It happens since I've been watching football and he has the number one quarterback, number one offense, number one, all this good stuff. He should be getting way more looks. They should be begging Kansas City to have interviews. At least they should have them all scheduled by now. You get what I'm saying? Even if, if it's not going to happen during this run, as soon as it's done, he should have everything scheduled and be ready to go. Well, let's look. He's not a Patriots coach. And the Patriots don't exactly have a good track record of cranking out quality head coaches after Bill Belichick, Joe Judge, welcome to the Giants. See you later. Brian <laughs> Flores, welcome True. to Miami. See you later. Maybe Brian Flores ends up in with the New York football Giants and brings Deshaun Watson with him. All these rumors that we're hearing, maybe that's a possibility. But I'm talking, we, we got so many good teams right now that are young, that have good young quarterbacks that do not have a coach right now. And I really think that a good offensive mind is what you need to pair with these good young quarterbacks. Justin Fields, Tua Tungvaloa. I yep. mean, say what you want about Daniel Jones. I mean, he hasn't had any consistency there in New York either for some time. So you've got a bunch of good young quarterbacks that don't have coaches. You can expect a lot of these brilliant offensive minds to probably land a position ahead of maybe a defensive coordinator looking at a head coaching job, <clears throat> Dan Quinn. So, yeah. I mean. But that's, that's the thing. Like what you were just talking about with the Patriots – all those coaches you named who kind of fizzled out at the time of them getting that job, they were the it person just because they're on the coaching staff of the best team. So it's kind of trickle down effect. So you, if everyone wants Belichick guy, you know, why can't everyone want, and, and Andy Reid has a pretty good track record of, you know, his coaches and stuff going out. So I don't, I, I don't know, man, to me, uh, the only thing I can point as a race thing, and I don't want to do that. So I'm a, I'm a hold, I'm a hold my soapbox uh, speech until we really see what's going on. But it's a little funny because I don't even hear too much stuff going on with um, what's Ron the Leftwich. Thing? with Leftwich, another one. Like you want the best, you want the offensive coordinator, even if he's not the guy calling the shots. You want the guy in the room with the head coach and that quarterback. If I'm Let's say if I'm Chicago, I want Leftwich to be the mentor to my young quarterback because he was in the same room with Tom Brady. I want you to tell me everything Tom Brady knows, give it to my quarterback so we can like make him or get him to that caliber of quarterback. 
that should be the thinking going into this instead of saying like these guys are just there they're not calling plays they're not doing xyz um but i think it's it's the coaches on these staffs like need to promote these offensive coordinators a little bit more and the media because the media is the one who gets it going so the media needs to do a better job as well well let's not forget about brian leftwich he also coached your early 2021 mvp candidate there Jameis winston at one point as well yeah. so I mean, he's worked with some quarterbacks who've had some flaws and been able to turn out some pretty productive seasons out of them. Now, speaking of productive seasons, everyone's season has to end. We just talked about the Raiders and everything kind of came down there. So what are some of your biggest wild card surprises of this past week? Yeah, my biggest surprise was just Kyler Murray. I thought, to me, that was one of the closest games like going into it, trying to predict. I thought Arizona was going to give a way better performance than what they did. Kyler Murray looked like he was out of place. Like that Ram, yes, the Ram defense is good. That defensive line was back there all day long, but it it's like he couldn't even scramble. He had that one play was just like a bonehead play where he threw the uh, pick six. Where it, I, most people would be like, take take the safety kick and hope your defense can stop him, and you only gave up two points. He gave up seven points just throwing the ball wild, like not even looking where he was going. It was just it, like that stuff coming from Kyler was weird to me because he's one of the quarterbacks in the league who's more calm or cool, doesn't talk too much, just like more level-headed, and he looked so out of place during that Rams game, like the whole entire game. It was even in garbage time, he still looked really bad. So it was – I was really disappointed in, in his performance and I mean the O-line performance as well, but I thought they were going to give the Rams a better game, even though I picked the Rams in that game. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you're starting to think about when uh, pitchers and catchers start to uh, come to Oakland there for the athletics camp, maybe he had his mind already set on spring training <laughs> for major league baseball. Would you, would it be safe to say that he just couldn't rise to the occasion that he came up short in this contest? <laughs> We couldn't even get 15 minutes into the show before you got your first boo, man. <laughs> it's kind of like you kind of go out there and you, you know what? It's like that that wily old vet that has to go seek that first contact coming back from an injury, right? You know you got to take it. So let's get this out of the way early and make sure we're prepared for the rest of the show. Because I'm sure there's a few more boos to come my way before the night ends. Now, for me... The biggest surprise was the complete ineptitude. I'm not even sure if ineptitude is a word, but I'm going to use it in this case because I think it describes the Dallas Cowboys and how they could not feature C.D. Lamb in this offense against the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, the 49ers are good. Yes, they had some pressure with Nick Bosa and company. I think they had five sacks, 14 uh, hits on Dak Prescott. So Dak Prescott was uncomfortable all game long. Call it what you will. I know you're going to touch on the mismanagement here a little bit later. I mean, a QB draw on that play, it, that's, I mean, even if they convert that or even if they have a timeout, the chances of them still winning that game were slim to none. Right. Let's be yeah. honest, the way this game was going. I mean, for the Dallas Cowboys, it was just you have Amari Cooper, you have Cedric Wilson, who is a Tara Roberts um, special there. You've got Dalton Schultz. You've got Ezekiel. You got Tony Pollard. You've got C.D. Lamb, and you failed to use him. I think I think Amari Cooper had 64 yards receiving. I think C.D. Lamb had one catch for 21 yards, and that came very late in the game. I mean, they did not use their 
studs nearly as much. And there was advantages that they could have taken on San Francisco all over the field. Now, Kellen Moore is another one of those guys' names that we're hearing all over as a coach of the future for a franchise somewhere along the way, an offensive genius. I have some questions, some red flags after watching that Dallas Cowboys. San Francisco but do you think it was? Do you think that was him, or do you think that was uh, Coach Hogan? I mean, we're, we're not going to get into Mike McCarthy and his lack of yeah, clock management sure. skills and all this stuff. I mean, I really wish Tara was able to make it. Unfortunately, she can't be on the show today because uh, some other stuff going on there. But as a Packers fan, she knows what Mike McCarthy is all about. Dallas, you're starting to get a good understanding of what Mike McCarthy is truly about when it comes to managing a roster and i mean if you can't get one of the best wide receivers in the game today involved in an offense you probably deserve to lose this game now yeah. well before you go that- before you go before you go any further on that, i just want to add like cd lamb should be in the same breath as justin jefferson and and jamar chase you should be using him in that same caliber like where the play should go through him even though you have a mark cooper and all these other guys you mentioned he should be number one all the time. The guy's phenomenal. He's always open. I like. I don't understand that either. Like the the coaches have to find a way to scheme him up, and it should be really easy because the guy stays open. I couldn't agree more. But now we go from some of our biggest surprises to maybe some of our biggest disappointments here. And I know I touched a little bit on the Dallas Cowboys here. You're gonna na- you're gonna put that final nail in the coffin for the Dallas Cowboys right here. What do you got, Major? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not the biggest Dak fan, just because how he handled the whole taking a knee situation, um, kind of all life matters that situation where you know he should have, he should have had a you know more of a team mentality when it comes to the people. But you know his mismanagement of the clock, to me that's one point. There's two points to this. So number one, he mismanaged. That whole thing, to me, he should have slid a little bit earlier, gave the ball to the ref. Everything's fine. They would have had at least one more shot at the end zone. But like you said, the chances are pretty much slim to none at that point. But he tried, like, if he would have got that first down and got down and got, he would have had about almost four four to sec, four seconds left. Quarter, I mean, uh, the referee would have came in. He would have had about a second or two left to, you know, do a Hail Mary. But he got a little greedy greedy and got down there and slid and took his time and gave the ball to the center which like every that's like pop warner we all know give the ball to the ref so he can set it like it's just like a natural thing won't even talk about when you play football it just happens um but the part that i'm really disappointed in is like dak the guy who was like we all should stand for the national anthem and we all should do this and the spokesperson for you know, he got all these different spokesperson, like uh, he had the, the 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 soup one. He had the the bed one. He had all these commercials. This guy is like the darling of the NFL after that whole situation. But showing the lack of character, like blaming a referee for that. And then on top of it, like kind of congratulating or kind of giving a big up to the fans for throwing stuff at the referee. To me, that part was like the most disgusting of the whole thing like why would you even do that one most quarterbacks take the blame that's like the part of being a quarterback that everyone knows when you are when you guys are winning you give the props to the team when you are losing you take the blame 
That's what any good quarterback does. And this, in my opinion, was his fault, the mismanagement of the clock, but he blamed on the referee and then gave props to the fans for throwing things at the referees. To me, that was just like, especially coming from the spokesman, coming from like the face of the, you know, the NFL at this point when it comes to, I guess, political situations and stuff like that. So it was just a little disappointing to see how he handled that versus how he handled the the, the kneeling and all that good stuff. So, uh, you know, Dak, I don't know. Do you get one of these? <laughs> well, you want to talk. Dak wants to complain about the refs all he wants. At least the referees in that game are going to be able to ref another game somewhere along the way in this playoffs. Unlike the referees in the Bengals and Raiders game, the NFL <laughs> basically, so they basically said at the time of everything happening, I'm not going to quite go into it quite yet. Basically said, no, everything's good. Yeah, we agree. Yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden the referees are told, yeah, you guys aren't doing any more games. That's how bad you guys were today. Wow. I mean, anyone, okay. Joe Burrow did not step out of bounds. I get that. That whistle though, how do you not hear that? He, I, I love the Bengals' responses from their head coach to Joe Burrow, a little tongue-in-cheek. No, we didn't hear nothing. They know they heard it. They just got to their – you know what I mean? And, Major, you know, in today's game, once you hear that whistle, you have to stop. You absolutely have to because you're going to get a flag. You're going to get a penalty. We've seen it time and time again. I mean, sure, the Bengals will probably settle for a field goal. But the Raiders, they don't throw that pick at the end of the game. They settle for a field goal. We send this to overtime. Every little thing matters. Now, I'm not going to say that this cost the Raiders the game. This happened in the second quarter. The Raiders had time to make up for this at some point. But, I mean, the whistle. How, so, how can so this uh, Oh, go ahead. Finish my bad. As, as a Raiders fan, as a homer, how are you feeling right now? You've had the immaculate reception go against you, which hit Man. the turf. We know it hit the turf. Everyone but Franco Harris is saying it hit the turf. Right. Then you had the tuck rule. Man. The tuck rule. <laughs> and now you've got the whistle. These are not like ghost to post or the, the holy roller or any of these great things that have happened in Raiders Allure. This is the negativity that's going on. Yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. So for me, that is the biggest disappointment. You know what? I am happy for Bengals fans. They deserve this. They've been suffering they've been yearning for that playoff victory since 1991 we talked about this the houston oilers were the team that they beat okay that's how far back we have to go for the Bengals' last win i mean we've heard the jokes we've seen the memes out there about no one's actually been able to text about a Bengals' victory because texting hadn't come out until after the Bengals had won their last playoff game you know what i mean like it's it's where we're at i get it i feel for the Bengals fans but, man, you've got to feel for the Raiders fans because this stuff just keeps to see, seems to happen to them every single time. And the season, the way the season had gone for them, you're just going to be like, like, what, what do you do? It's been a rough season. They battle a lot, of, a lot of adversity just to see their season kind of come down to that. And then the F goes, yeah, those refs are horrible. We're not going to bring them back at all this season. So, for me, yeah. that was probably my biggest disappointment going back on the week. But full disclosure, I am a Raiders fan. I am a bit of homerism here. But uh, I had to get a, that off my chest. You have a point. And plus, I just want to add, the way the NFL try to cover up things is just, like, the worst. Like, they don't even try that hard. They just – I've, I've heard things of, like, there was a, a inadvertent whistle coming from the from the crowd. They try to blame on the crowd. We all know the referees blew that whistle. I'm of the thought that 
the whistle came as he already caught the ball. So I don't I don't know if it was that big of a deal, but just the, the cover up to me was nasty. Like, oh yeah, fan blew a whistle. Like, come on, guys. Let's oh I, I've watched this replay multiple times. The ball is clearly in the air. It's not yeah. even in the end zone yet in the air when that whistle goes off. I know you did. But, I know you watched it in, in every angle, uh, slow motion, fast motion. <laughs> and I'm not going to say he did or did not, but I'm pretty confident CJ Uzama did not catch that first touchdown pass. It looked like it caught, it hit the ground. Just throwing that out there. No biggie. Game over. So what are the but Raider fans? What are the Raider fans saying about all those things you've said? Because those are like some of the biggest like mishaps in NFL history, and they all seem to happen against the Raiders. And and then. The next season, we get like a rule change to like make it seem like it was okay. Yeah, no, it's it's you know what I think as Raiders fan, you've basically come to that conclusion that that's that's the way it's going to be from here on out, right? So, yeah. I mean, I get it, but now let's you know what let's forget about everything going on there with Vegas. Forget let's it. talk about the Bengals. Let's keep the Bengal train going. They are heading to Tennessee to take on the number one seed in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans, who look like they are getting Derrick Henry back in their lineup. This is the first time that I can remember that they've had Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry all ready to roll in this game. And yet, I kind of like the Bengals still more than <laughs> I did before. So, Major, give me your thoughts on this game. Yeah, so that this is a very interesting game to me. I think this is probably the closest the hardest one for me to choose because I mean, I went with the Bengals, but it's like 50, 50 because getting Derrick Henry back and then having the Bengals, having Trey Hendrickson, uh, Josh Tupel, and I think I said that right. And then Sam Herbert all like not out, but dealing with injuries that having that front line with injuries and then Derrick Henry running through that line, every single play will wear and tear on that defensive line. So I'm really worried about that. But if, you know, the Bengals defensive line and, and linebackers can try to hold um, Derrick Henry to under 100 yards, maybe they, you know, they pull this off. But if Derrick Henry comes in like he left off, uh, I think the Titans may be able to get it. And then another equation just to put in there, I think that will hurt the Titans is that having all those guys come back, like you said, for the first time, they don't have any chemistry. I don't think they've played all together once this season. So it's it's going to be kind of hard for them to gel on a run in the playoffs. So uh, I don't know, man. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay with the Bengals, but it's, it's a close one for me just because Derrick Henry. Yeah, you mentioned Trey Hendrickson. He's going to be a key. That's one of those biggest injuries to watch. This dude is an all-pro. Say what you want about Nick Bosa, but I don't know how you take Trey Hendrickson out of an all-pro stats the way he's been playing for the Bengals this season. I mean, we don't talk about him nearly enough. He is a big reason why that Bengals defense gets going the way they get going. Yeah. Now, this is kind of an interesting matchup for me because the Bengals' strength is the Titans' weakness. And the Titan strength happens to be the Bengals' weakness. If you want to beat the Bengals, you need to be able to run the ball. And Derrick Henry, he can certainly run the ball. There's a reason why he's called King Henry. Now, I don't think he gets King status this week. I think he kind of plays more of the role of the Prince. I don't think he's quite there this week. But the Bengals, is there a better trio of wide receivers in the National Football League right now than 
Uh, nope. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, both thousand-yard receivers, and Tyler Boyd, maybe the best number three, fourth option on any team. The guy had eight, just under 900 yards receiving this year, playing third and fourth fiddle to Higgins, Chase, Joe Mixon. I mean, this is – and the Titans, we know they struggle against the pass. So you know that the Bengals, they're going to come out throwing. They're going to get Mixon involved in the passing game. We know the Bengals are better when Mixon sees four targets per game. It's just one of those things that makes that offense click a little bit better, takes a little bit of pressure off that run game because the Titans – are really good against the run. I think they allow something like 64 yards per game against the run. You're not going to be able to have much success against the run, but if you're running screen passes, you're spreading them out, you're making them a little bit thinner, maybe those holes open up for Joe Mixon late in the game. And then on the other side, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones. Which Julio are you going to get? We know Julio can take over a game. We just haven't seen it this season. We know what A.J. Brown can do. He can absolutely go off for 200 yards receiving. Or we've also seen him where he's been invisible for games at points this year too, while healthy. Not because he's coming back from injury, but as a healthy wide receiver, he has had some low games so far. The most consistency they've got so far has been Derrick Henry, and he's, I think he's still like top 10 in rushing yards this year, like 937. He's like fifth or something in touchdowns with 10. He hasn't played since like week eight or week nine. Anyway, I've got the Bengals winning this one. Mostly because I love chaos, and I really think the <laughs> Bengals will get another, let's call it a whistle in this game. Now, <laughs> another game that we're going to head to right now, and I know this one's near and dear to your hearts. I oh, wish Tara was here to go on this, but we've got the San Francisco 49ers fresh off a big victory over the Dallas Cowboys, reliving those early 90s. And you know what? We get another early 90s kind of matchup here between the 49ers and the Packers in Lambeau Field. <laughs> Who do you got in this contest? Oh, man, this one hurts. It hurts so bad. But I'm, I'm going Packers in this one only because I don't trust Jimmy G. Jimmy will try to find a way to lose the game. He tried it last week. But I just didn't think the, uh, was it the Raiders was that – good to ever overcome but um i don't know man it's it's really hard for me to trust anything jimmy g and, and going against aaron Rodgers, you're going to have to pitch a perfect game aaron Rodgers, he's not going to allow you to make any mistakes because he will capitalize you throw a pick he's going to throw a touchdown if you fumble he's going to score so i think that's going to be the determining factor even though i love debo debo's to me is the best running back in the game right now the guy is the just his his vision, his sight, his contact balance. The dude runs through tackles like he's not a receiver. This dude is the best running back in the league right now. Um, but I don't know. To me, it's an even match, and the thing that just kind of put it over the top for me is Jimmy G and his willingness to give the game up. Yeah, you mentioned that willingness to give the game up. He's thrown five interceptions in the last three games. The 49ers having to be two and six when Jimmy Garoppolo throws interceptions. For me, this game comes down to pressure and who's going to get pressure on which quarterback. We saw what San Francisco, I mentioned that earlier, five sacks, 14 QB hits on Dak Prescott. I don't care who you are at quarterback, if you're an MVP candidate or not, if you get hit 14 times, it's going to be in your head. Now, for the Packers, it looks like they're going to get Zadarius Smith back. It looks like there's a chance that Marcellus uh, Whitney comes back here as well. So they're going to have some edge rushers coming back for this game for them. 
But you know what? The 49ers, they've been pretty good at protecting Garoppolo for the most part, kept him pretty clean against the Dallas Cowboys. And we can all kind of agree that the Dallas Cowboys have a very formidable, aggressive front when it comes to getting after the quarterback. And the 49ers did a very good job. Plus, they kind of got that dude there on the one end there, Trent Williams or something. He's one bad man. He's a bad dude out there on tackle. So, I mean, I think he pretty much negates anything coming off the right side or obviously the left side for Garoppolo. Now, for me, it really comes down to Jair Alexander. Looks like he's coming back. But guess what? Jair Alexander, he ain't got no piece of Debo Samuel because you don't know how to cover him. So you may be looking at Jair on Brandon Ayuk kind of thing. And on the other side, Emmanuel Mosley hasn't been bad this season. He's actually been pretty good for the most part for the 49ers. He's probably going to draw Devontae Adams. So that's going to be an interesting matchup there. Like I said, it's going to come down to pressuring the quarterback. I think the 49ers are going to do a better job at pressuring the quarterback. And what it comes for me, look at the run. Green Bay is allowing, well, I think it was like 4.7 yards per carry. What's Elijah Mitchell getting right now? 4.7 yards per carry. We're not even counting Debo Samuel as a runner right now. So I really think, hmm, if a running back's averaging 4.7, and the team's giving up 4.7, the math kind of goes out this way, and he's going to average 4.7. So give me the San Francisco 49ers in this one. I think it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to come down to a field goal. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a three-point yeah. game. It's going to be close, and I can see this game going either way. Actually, a lot of these games are too tough to call for the most part, but now we're heading to the Rams and the Bucks. Give me a kind of quick breakdown of this little bit of a Matthew Stafford heading down to Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Yeah, this is another close one that was hard for me. Uh, playing Tom Brady at home is always a huge feat to try to overcome. Um, if Matthew Stafford can turn you know get those turnovers down um having cam Akers back is a huge plus for the rams the way he performed the other day running the ball and receiving he seemed like he's 100 i don't think anyone's even talking about the the medical miracle that that is that this guy is the first player in basketball or football to have an achilles and come back in the same season to me that's something that should be talked about way more than it, than it is um, and shout out to Cooper Cup being the first white player to win the triple crown at wide receiver. Like that's something that we haven't seen in our lifetime. Um, but I, I'm going Rams here just because I think the the Bucks got a little. They got too many injuries. Um, last week I think they overcame those injuries. Um, again, you have that quarterback. Like Brady will find a way. He'll make. The average wide right receiver looked like a star, and he has a star receiver over there who's playing with like one leg and one arm, and uh, he's still balling out. So, I don't, yeah, man, I, it's a close one, but I'm going to give it to the Rams again. Like you said, I think it's going to be a three point, three point game, touch, you know, a touchdown game. So, um, yeah, I think that's all I have for that one. What do you think? I think we don't have to look any further than back on week. I think it was number three there, week three. The Rams hosted the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They won 34-24. And here we got interesting because Tom Brady was actually the Tampa Bay Buccaneers leading rusher that game. Okay, <laughs> we're talking about how uh, Leonard Fournette may or may not be available for this game. I think that's a key in this contest. But in that game, Tom Brady, three carries, 14 yards. That was the leading rusher for Tampa Bay. Tom Brady absolutely let go. 41-55, uh, 432 yards. Only one touchdown in that contest. Mike Evans, solid game. 106 receptions. But here's the difference. No Chris Godwin. 
no Antonio Brown. I mean, Antonio Brown wasn't there in that game either. And then on the Rams side of things, they had um, guys like Deshaun Jackson who absolutely went off in that game. I think Deshaun Jackson had like 106, 120 yards on three catches. They had Robert Woods back then. But now, now they've got Odell Beckham Jr. Now they've got oh, Cam yeah. Akers coming back. So the difference between this is, yes, both teams have lost players, but the Rams have actually gotten players of quality back. In time, and yeah. Now, I will say Matt Stafford's kind of the Jekyll and Hyde of quarterbacks, especially in the playoffs. His first eight games, unbelievable. You look at the touchdown interception ratio, the QB rating, all that stuff compared to the last nine games, night and day. Back then, 27-38, four touchdowns he threw. That's two to Cooper Cup, one to Deshaun Jackson, one to Tyler Higby, 343 yards. This is going to be an exciting game. I just don't think – I don't like to bet against Tom Brady because I think it's a bad idea. It's never a good investment to bet against Tom Brady. But I'm going to bet against Tom Brady here because I think the Rams are the better team heading into this contest. I think the Buccaneers are dealing with too many injuries. The Rams are getting hot. They're coming off a big win over the Cardinals, which they made the Cardinals look absolutely silly. Give me the Rams here. Again, another three-point game for me. Now, last game on the docket. Maybe the most explosive potential game of them all. We've seen this showdown multiple times over the last couple of years. Uh, last season, Kansas City, they took both games against the Buffalo Bills. Early in the season, Buffalo got a little bit of a revenge against the Chiefs, winning that game back on, I can't remember which week that was, but the Bills got a little bit of revenge back. How do you see this game playing out? Matchup number two between these two teams in 2021. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. This is two well-matched teams. I think the Bills kind of built their team around stopping the Chiefs, so that's why they're so well-matched. But I, I'm going Bills here, and for the sole purpose, because like I said, everything is across the board. To me, they're kind of like quarterback for quarterback. I think it's pretty even. Running back for running back. The game running games are pretty even. The thing that puts it over the top is that Bills defense. That defense is playing with a chip on the shoulder ever since, you know, that that interview uh, when the safeties were in there and the, and they asked them about when the, the New England Patriots were running all over them and they got a, kind of pissed off about that. And, and I think they're, they're playing with that chip on their shoulder. So I, I see the Bills defense winning this game. Um, Mahomes, to me, throws at least one unnecessary interception. So if – the Bills can capitalize on that. Again, this is another game I think is going to be three points between three and seven point difference. So if they can capitalize on a, one of these turnovers that Mahomes is going to give you, trying to do a no-look pass or behind-the-back pass or under-the-leg pass or whatever he does, if they can capitalize on that, I think the Bills are going to be good here. Um, yeah, and I do like Jarek McKinnon kind of rebirth in this in this playoff. He's he's balling, man. I think he's the running back that she's been looking for. So keep an eye on that. But uh, I'm, I'm still leaning towards the Bills and that defense to win the game for him. Fun fact, back on October 10th when the Bills defeated the Chiefs 38-20, both quarterbacks were the leading rushers in this game. That's we expect crazy. that with Josh Allen, right? We expect that 11 carries, 59 yards, one touchdown. What you don't expect is uh, Patrick Mahomes running eight times for 61, leading the Chiefs on ground. He did throw two interceptions. He threw two touchdowns that game. And I mean, we look at some of the guys. It was McCole Hardman who stepped up that game. Remember that game? Nine catches for McCole Hardman, 76 yards. Tyreek Hill, seven for 63. Travis Kelsey, six for 57. 
Travis Kelsey wasn't even the best tight end in this game because Dawson Knox absolutely went Randy Moss on everyone. Three catches, 117 <laughs> yards, and a touchdown. I think he should have had a second touchdown. But you know who had two touchdowns? Emmanuel Sanders had two touchdowns in that game. You know what? I, I don't know. This game is too close for me to call, so I'm going to go with my heart here. Circle the wagons. Get out the tables. Let's go. Bills Mafia. Let's take the Bills by three in this contest as well. It sounds it's exciting. Devin Devin Singletary has been he's been running a rock. I've been very impressed by how he's been running. And like you said, Dalton Knox had a game last week. So if those two can play, I think the Bills will be in good shape. These are two different teams than when they met earlier, right? Kansas City right. was trending down. After that loss, they went to two and three. The Bills went to four and one. The Bills got hot. Then the Bills kind of struggled a little bit, little, little bit later. The Bills have now found that identity of you know what? Let's give Devin Singletary the rock. This dude can play. He can play some good ball out there. We don't have to rely on Josh Allen to be our star running back and our star quarterback. And now on the flip side, we don't know who the Chiefs are going to use as their running back. I mean, we thought it was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Eh, not so fast. Daryl 1L Williams. Eh, not so fast. Jet McKinnon. He stepped up last week. And we're like, oh, there's a Jet McKinnon we thought was going to come out at the beginning of the season. Eh, not so fast. But speaking <laughs> of running backs. We are going to talk more running backs here in just a moment. we got plenty more coming your way. Uh, I mean, that is just our little bit of our preview, a little bit of a prediction of how this divisional round is going to play out. So stay tuned. We are going to go to our running back watch list in just a second. And welcome back. We are ready. That was our short little commercial break. Basically, <laughs> just enough time for me to grab a little bit of drink, wet my whistle, and get onto our running back watch list for the 2022 season. We've talked about the playoffs here. We talked about some of these running backs who are or are not a factor going forward as far as the playoffs are concerned. But let's talk about some of these running backs heading into the 2022 season. Major, who is that one running back right now that, I mean, I look at who we're looking at trading away. So I want to know who you're trading away. And there's a common theme of these guys that we're looking at moving on from here in 2022. Major, you have the floor. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with King Henry. I, I love Henry. Don't get me wrong. Just two things. In fantasy, especially in dynasty, I tend to stay young. I like my players to be at least 25 years younger, 26 around there. Um, so when I start getting my players, especially running backs that is over 26 years old, I look to move and Derek Henry right now has a lot of momentum for the way he started the season. The injury did ding him a little bit. So you, you, you won't be able to get as much as you would uh, at the beginning of the season. But I think if he performs well in the playoffs, he will, I mean, you can get that value back, but Derek Henry is just a little bit older. He is, this is the first time he's really been hurt. And I just want to keep an eye on to see if he can, like next year is going to be a big year for Derrick Henry. If he can stay injury free next year, I think he'll be okay. But when usually when you have running backs who start to get hurt, it's just it's continues like uh, the person you're going to talk about next and a few other ones. But if you get a quarterback that's starting to age a little bit and they get hurt, they tend to continue to get hurt throughout their career. So if Derrick Henry, we know what he does in the off season with the cryo tanks and the workouts and the guy's a monster off the off the field so that's why he's always in shape and always ready to go and why he came back from his injury so quickly um this season 
Um, but I just keep an eye on his next year. That'll be a big year for him, for him. But I'm out on Derrick Henry at this point just because I like to typically stay young in my dynasty teams. Yeah, it's not like we're saying Derrick Henry's bad. He is going to be running back one, running back two next season. As long as he is fully recovered from, I think it was a Liz Frank injury on that foot, or we've heard about the horrors of that jump cutting and all that other stuff. Derrick Henry is a different dude, right? We, we can agree with that. The dude, he's a monster. I don't think his jump cutting is part as big as his game as his power is. He can beat your speed. He can beat your power. He can do everything. He's 28 years old. Yeah. He's, and in this business of fantasy football, I'm always a firm believer it's better to get out a year early than a year late. There you go. And right now, I think with Derrick Henry, you still have that name going forward. You've still got two, three productive seasons ahead of him that you can kind of push to another prospective manager there when you're in trade negotiations. Much like my guy here, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is a little bit younger. He's 25 years old. But those injuries are adding up year in, year out. And you know what? As good as he has been, I don't know if I can have him on my roster not playing again. This is the second time in two seasons here in which he's been there. When he's in, he is the best running back in the game. There is no question about it. For fantasy purposes, there is no better running back. But when he's not in your lineup, he's getting you zero, which means Zach Moss is outscoring him, right? That's basically what it comes down to. If you are getting outscored by Zach Moss, if you're getting outscored by Samaj P. Ryan, you're not doing me any good. And Christian McCaffrey has not been doing fantasy managers any good the last couple seasons being hurt. I know it's not really his fault, but hey, you mentioned it. You're you're a former junior college running back. These injuries <laughs> add up. When you yeah. hit your age, I mean, you're 25. This is getting old as far as running backs are concerned. Derrick Henry, 28. He's at the peak of where they start to tail off typically. Henry is superhuman. Let's not kid ourselves. I don't think he's right. going to tail off anytime soon. But with most of these running backs, it's like, hey, we got paid, and now we're going to drop off. We've seen that time and time again with some of the best running backs. Todd Gurley, we, that comes to mind right away. Do you want Christian McCaffrey to be the next Todd Gurley? I don't. I don't think he will be, but there is going to be that concern with those injuries that are starting to add up. So for me, Christian McCaffrey, he's still got the name. He's still got a couple productive seasons, if healthy that I can pedal off to another manager somewhere along the way and maybe get a couple of younger players that I have a little bit more interest in when we start talking about our dynasty rankings a little bit later that I feel comfortable in making that trade and pulling that trigger. Now, my bad, well, Christian McCaffrey, I think he's, uh, I think having Chuba Hubbard there is actually going to help him stay healthier, but it's going to eat into his, you know, target share. So, well, we'll see how that pans out, but yeah, those injuries. I, I've traded him this season for like crumbs for the most part. I don't remember the deal, but it was like a receiver and like a first round pick. So it wasn't like the haul you typically would get for Christian McCaffrey. So I think people are starting to uh, get a little turned off by, by the injuries. Well, when I talk about pulling the trigger, I'm not just talking about fantasy trades here. I'm talking about fantasy football subscriptions head over to fantasypoints.com pull that trigger on that 30 percent off today if that's not enticing enough look at the media group that they've got going on over there we've got the true north fantasy football crew travis seal 
Ty McLaughlin, they got things kicking off. The Dynasty Happy Hour with our boy Tyler Gunther kicking it off each and every week. P2Dub Fantasy, Nick Scrip, a good friend of yours, on the Sunday show with Fantasy Points. The Smoke Show, I mean, Josh, Smokey Hell, Nelson, each and every week. Of course, you can find the Dynasty Vipers. We're kicking it off. Uh, Edward Poros there with the Injury Podcast. Triple Play Fantasy Crew, they're joining us. Campus to Canton, Austin Nash, Colin Decker, each and every week. I mean, the list goes on and on, and this family continues to grow over at FantasyPoints.com. So get that subscription for some of the best analysis in fantasy football. Speaking of more analysis, let's talk about that player that you are trading for in 2022. Give me some analysis. Give me some of that Sunday morning fantasy points special here with the running back that you are trading for in 2022. Yeah, my my favorite running back going into 22 is going to be Cam Akers. I'm trying to get him. It may be a little too late now, but if you grabbed him when he was down, you get the cookies like this guy is the man you seen how he ran like i don't think people understand what an achilles injury is like that's when your foot is not connected anymore like that when you do this with your foot you can't do that anymore and for a running back that's all we do so like him coming back in the same year like this we seen someone as Kobe Bryant, the mama mentality. We've seen him take a year and a half to two years to get back from it. And that's the mama mentality. This guy's a maniac when it comes or was a maniac working out. So Cam Akers coming back in the same season and giving that performance he gave last week. Oh my, I'm all in. I'm I'm selling everybody to get Cam Akers. I think he's gonna have a monster year next year. When an injury is named after a demigod. <laughs> no, it's not good. I mean, Achilles, we saw, we watched the movie Troy. Everyone's watched the movie Troy. That was the way he went down. That was the end of him. That was the end of Achilles was popping his Achilles. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I get it. And this man, he's coming back. I mean, we could talk about Cam. I think you're a little bit higher on him than most people are right yeah, now. But yeah. I think you could still get that injury discount. I think there's still people that are a little bit concerned where they are. And I think there's people that are willing to sell him, not knowing what tomorrow holds when it comes to cam acres here so i think now you can still get a bit of a discount i think people are trying to oh this is our time to sell we've got something to go for so i think you can move him there but i mean watching what he did it looks like the burst was there i mean a little bit of rust was still on display especially in the passing game there but i mean one catch 40 yards he probably should have another reception there that got called back there for 18 Mm -hmm. Uh, some good runs that were there a couple of runs that got negated he was on pace for a very good game more than what the stat line had shown. Now, for me, I'm following your model here. I'm going young. I want to get young, and I'm willing to overpay at this point right now to get me some more Javante Williams and some more Elijah Mitchell. I went on air before the season, talked about how much better Elijah Mitchell was than Trey Sermon, and I got laughed at, like seriously ridiculed, which I'm used to because, hey, 90% of the things that come out of my mouth are worth ridiculing. Let's be honest here right now. But Elijah Mitchell was a guy I absolutely loved. And I really thought that he'd be the 1A, 1B. I thought the San Francisco 49ers were looking to basically replicate the success they had had with Raheem Mostert there, Jeffrey Wilson, a 1A, 1B type guy. They've got that with Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. I don't think Elijah Mitchell's ready to give up that other running back position to anyone outside of Debo Samuel. 
I don't think Trey Sermon's going to get a sniff of that backfield. It's going to be Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel from this point on. Trey Sermon may get some looks here and there, but man, I really love Elijah Mitchell. Maybe I'm jumping the gun here a little bit, but I'm willing to overpay to get him. And obviously, Javante Williams, man, dynasty talk here right now. He is within the top six dynasty running backs right now. Right now, Melvin Gordon, free agent. He could be on his way out. We'll talk about him here shortly. If that is the case where Melvin Gordon moves, and Melvin Gordon was good this year. Let's not kid ourselves. He put up some good numbers. They basically split, I think, I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me. I think it was either 800 or 900 yards apiece in the running game. That's a lot of rushing yards that could potentially fall on Javante Williams, who has a habit of breaking tackles. Okay, so for me, Javante Williams, Elijah Mitchell, I need more, and I'm willing to overpay to get them on my line. Sound like you're trying to talk to someone in, in your leagues, like you're willing to overpay. But can I add one thing with Elijah Mitchell? I usually don't get running backs wrong. I was totally wrong on him and evaluated him last year coming out in the draft. I thought he was a straight line runner with that, not that much speed. Uh, he would go down on the first tackle or the first sign of a hit. He will go down, but he ran hard. This Elijah Mitchell, I'm seeing this dude is shifty. He's moving left and right. He's making people miss. He has a burst. Like I, I missed this one. And I usually don't get running backs wrong. That's like my forte. I'm a running back guy, and I was totally wrong about Mitchell. So kudos to this guy. Well, let's see if you can redeem yourself here at the next one. Who is that player most likely to disappoint fantasy managers in 2022? I'm going Devin or David Montgomery. I'm I'm just not a big fan of him. Uh, his game is a little boring. He kind of reminds me of the Emmett Smith type of running back where it's the most boring game you've ever seen, but he ends up with 100 yards. So, I, you know, he's a good running back. Do not get me wrong. But, again, having a young quarterback, um, we don't even know who the coach is going to be at this point. We don't know what kind of offense they're going to run at this point. There's way too many question marks for, for Montgomery at this point. And I'm, 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 I'm off right now. I'm selling it to get out of there. Um Hopefully they get the the offensive coordinator running quarterback and all that good stuff situated. But uh, I think a running quarterback is going to eat into a lot of Montgomery's uh, like rushing touchdowns around the goal line. You know, you're going to get a lot of more sneaks and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, I think he can and maybe will disappoint. So keep an eye on David Montgomery. And for me, I've got two here that I'm, Think you're going to disappoint managers right now. One goes to one of my favorite backs in the entire National Football League, James Robinson. Is he Cam Akers? Can he make this comeback and all of a sudden have that explosion and all that shiftiness? I don't know. Is Travis Etienne going to absolutely negate any value that he has in Jacksonville next year? It's a possibility. Where will he get traded? I don't know. So for me, there's a lot of questions that circle around James Robinson heading into 2022. If you can get him uh, for pennies on the dollar, so to speak, as far as a, a fast trade goes, then yeah, okay, go ahead, take a swing at that. I don't think anyone wants to trade him at a discount right now because of what they may have invested in him to begin with. But for me, I think he's going to disappoint because I don't think he's going to have that Cam Akers type recovery from the Achilles injury. I mean, it's, I know we joke about the Achilles being the new ACL as far as injuries are concerned, but I just don't see it being there yet. So for me, I'm out on James Robinson. I think he's going to have a disappointing season next year. Maybe the year after he has a good season, a year post Achilles injury. But for me right now, I'm out. And the other one I'm out on right now, 
And I'm not out on him in Dynasty. I'm out on him next year. And that's Najee Harris because no quarterback next year. We're talking about Mason Rudolph right now as a quarterback. There's literally tweets going around on Twitter talking about Mason Rudolph is the quarterback going. It's not going to happen, by the <laughs> way. Pittsburgh is going to find someone else. But they I'm can't just beat out Haskins. Listen. They've got to find a quarterback. They've also got to find an offensive line. This line was not good. Najee Harris was getting hit in the backfield more than he was getting hit after the line of scrimmage. Okay, <laughs> It is not a good situation to be in. And if you're putting all your eggs in the basket there for Najee Harris, yes, he had a great rookie year. Yes, he is still going to be a top five running back for dynasty purposes. I just think until they get that quarterback situation situated, and get that offensive line addressed. And maybe they can do them both in the draft. Maybe they go out free agency, bring themselves in a Garner Minshew, or maybe we talk about maybe Deshaun Watson finds his way into Pittsburgh, or Kirk Cousins maybe ends up in Pittsburgh. I don't know. But that offensive line needs to be addressed if Najee Harris is going to have a good season next year. I'm not saying he's going to be horrible. I'm just going to say people are going to have unreasonable expectations coming off the rookie year that he had. And I don't see him meeting those expectations in 2022. So for me, I think he's going to disappoint a lot of fantasy managers next season. When I seen now, you, when I seen you talk about Najee, I kind of was like, "What the hell is he going to say?" But you kind of won me over with that because I think he's going to be running against a loaded box every week. You know, so he's going to be the focal point of the, every defense going forward. So I, I'm with you on that one. And they, they could very well address everything that we talked about. They could get a good, solid quarterback this year, and they could draft really well in the draft, get a couple of offensive linemen that are going to help things out for them. But right now, the way everything's situated, the way it looks at this moment, I mean, we're making these predictions in January, right? We haven't even hit the draft. Playoffs aren't even over. We don't know what uh, <laughs> spring programs look for these guys, training camp, everything. So lots of things. Free agency can change in a second how we look at these players moving forward now we talk about guys who are going to disappoint us but let's talk about let's put some positivity back out there at the running back position there major who is that bounce back player for you i don't even know if this, i don't know if it's considered a bounce back because he didn't really get started so i'm going travis etn um i'm really excited for that jaguars team i feel I have the same feeling about this team I had about the Bengals before they kind of took this next step. I think they have all the pieces they need to really be uh, a force in that, in, you know, in that division. So, and I think Travis Etienne is t pure talent. I think he's one of the most well, well-rounded uh, running backs in the game with this, with the receiving ability, um, with the running ability. I think he could be a, like an Austin Eckler type player. Uh, I do think they need to figure this thing out with James Robinson. I don't know. Like you said, they're going to trade him, keep him around. Um, but I think Travis Etienne is going to have a big season next year. And it's weird because I don't know if they can actually trade him because you're only going to get pennies on the dollar. What are you going to get, a sixth-round draft pick for him? Maybe. Right. Maybe you trade a fifth-round draft pick to get a fourth-round for him. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we're talking about the running back position. There's not a whole lot of value in the trade market moving forward there. Uh, for me, we've talked about him already, and we're going to talk about him some more because this is a pro Cam Akers show. Mm -hmm. Now, I put this down before the game took place on Monday Night Football. True. I said Cam Akers was going to be my balance back in 2022. Apparently, it's going to happen 
a little bit sooner. It's happening right now. <laughs> so yay me for an early prediction there. But I had this down, I swear, back on what, Sunday, maybe Saturday. It was it even on Thursday? I, th- I don't know. This show sheet's been done for a few days. It was early. I got Akers kind of penciled in there. But the other guy to keep an eye on here right now is a bounce back is J.K. Dobbins. Why aren't we talking about him? Did he just suddenly disappear? I know he hasn't been played all season, but as far as fantasy enthusiasts and analysis out there, we're not talking about him nearly enough. And now it's the off season. We need to get talking. Maybe people are keeping their mouth shut. Maybe slide in some low key yeah, trades. Maybe exactly they're trying to do is. that. But you know what? We're not about that. We're here to help you win your leagues. And J.K. Dobbins is that guy that's going to help you win some leagues. Go out there, trade him. Maybe people have forgotten all about him, what he can do. Because when he's in the lineup, he is one of the best running backs when it comes to yards per carry in the entire National Football League. Huge bounce back potential in 2022, even with my man, Gus Edwards there. Latavius Murray, garbage. You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) Tyson Williams, get out of here. I mean, this is going to be J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards' backfield once again. Devontae Freeman? Okay, we're going to move on here. Now, under the radar, you know, we kind of maybe Travis Etienne, maybe he's under the radar. Maybe J.K. Dobbins is a little bit under the radar. Who are some more of these under-the-radar ads, these forgotten players that we need to be talking about here uh, for the next season here? I'm I'm going with uh, my Melvin Gordon. Like, uh, uh, people forget about that Denver's offense altogether. They don't really talk too much about that team for some reason they have a lot of talent around here i think they're just missing a quarterback i think that's going to be addressed this year uh this offseason with a veteran quarterback so um but i think melvin is going to be on his way somewhere else i know you're going to talk about that a little bit later matt but he's still performing even at his age uh just under a thousand yards this year eight touchdowns rushing he another two touchdowns receiving so he's giving you value in both the passing and rushing game. And he, to me, still like he has that burst. I don't have the stats in front of me, but just looking at highlights every week, he tends to have, you know, a 40-yard run every week, a 30-yard run every week. So he's giving you those big plays. So I think he still has some gas in the tank. But I, I really like Melvin Gordon, and hopefully he can get to a situation where he can be – if he's not the man, he can have the majority of the of that timeshare in, in, in the backfield. He can show you what he can do. Yeah, I love Melvin Gordon. I mean, we knew what this Broncos backfield was going to be before the season started. We knew it was going to be a 1A, 1B type thing. We knew that the carries were going to be almost 50%. That is how it turned out. And Melvin Gordon, he absolutely performed. I love what we're doing here because we went with under-the-radar, forgot players, and yet we both matched each oh, other's with the franchise here so for me it's going to be penny for your thoughts have we forgotten about chris carson here so far i mean people are starting to drink that rashad penny kool-aid once again he's going to be uh chris he carson is going though. to be a free agent he's coming off an injury i mean chris carson is like the rodney Dangerfield of <laughs> the nfl as far as running backs are concerned because we always want to bury him we always want to forget about how good chris carson is even when he has a good season we're like yeah yeah rashad penny's gonna replace him yeah, yeah, uh, DJ Dallas is going to replace. No, stop it. Chris Carson can absolutely own a backfield. And there's some good places that he could end up here in the offseason. I don't know. Maybe maybe the Seattle Seahawks, maybe they're drinking that Rashad Penny Kool-Aid once again here because I don't know what they're going to do. I think Penny might even be a free agent as well. 
and I don't know if they picked up his fifth-year option. So, I mean, things could get interesting in Seattle as far as that backfield is concerned, but the guy I'm looking at adding, I agree with you. I love Melvin Gordon, but I love Chris Carson, another guy we're not talking about right now, and I don't think we're – we never talk about him. Even when he's healthy and top he's 12 in rushing yeah. yards, we're not talking about him. It's it's right. the disrespect. It has to stop. Now, tell me where you think Chris Carson is going to end up. Kind of, we're we're matching a free agent with a, a new location here. You went with Chris Carson. Where are you sending him to? I like Chris Carson to go to Houston. Um, they the backfield in Houston is a disaster. Like, let's not even talk about that trade. That just like the worst trade in NFL history. I'm not even going to that. Um, you had um. Lindsey Phillip back there. Uh, who else they have back there? They had another veteran. Max Burkhead, big contract, just signed another one. But Bert, he looked pretty good. He had a couple good runs, you know, towards the end of the season. But if you can get Chris Carson back there, a veteran who still has some juice, the guy runs hard. He's one of those type of players that can change, like, the whole uh, mentality of your offense. Like, he's one of those tough guys. He's going to run through things. And that stuff is contagious. That that rubs off on your receivers. Your office alignment blocks a little bit harder for you now because you have someone who's who's running that rock behind you with with some with some umph. But um, yeah, again, like you said, Chris Carter is probably one of the most underrated, most disrespected running backs in the game. The guy only produces when he's healthy. I think that's the part that people kind of fade him a little bit is the health part, but. I think he's still got some 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 juice left, and I think Houston would be a great spot for him. I don't hate it. I absolutely do not hate it. Let's get maybe Chris Carson will get a little bit of love down there. I think Houston Texans are they're doing some better things. They won some games they probably shouldn't have. Unfortunately for Akali, he got fired. But I mean, he was in a lose lose situation down there in Houston. I don't Seriously. think anyone could have done anything with that job. But we talk about pairing a good offensive mind with a good young quarterback. Would you say that Leonard Fournette has had a pretty good revival with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yep. All right, so let's just kind of play devil's advocate here. Let's maybe try and make some predictions here. How about Brian Leftwich ends up in Miami coaching to a tongue of Aloha? He needs a running back. Miles Gaskin is not the answer for me, but Melvin Gordon, he certainly can be. Let's like bring it. an old wily vet like Melvin Gordon over to Miami. The sun will do wonders for him there. Leonard Fournette, <laughs> he succeeded, had lots of success in that Brian Leftwich type offense. Yeah, okay, Tom Brady had a little bit of something, something to do with all that. But Melvin Gordon, we see what he can do. He's still a borderline 1,000-yard uh, rusher in this league. You put him there with Tua Tungvaloa, a uh, good offensive coordinator, good offensive-minded coach there in Brian Leftwich potentially. And then you've still got Jalen Waddle there. You've still got Devontae Parker. You've still got some weapons there for the Miami Dolphins. I think this could be a fantastic spot for Melvin like Gordon to go to. And it kind of, I mean, I'm more comfortable having Melvin Gordon having Miles Gaskin in the backfield than I am Melvin Gordon with Javante Williams in the backfield because that's just ugly for everyone. We know Miles Gaskin ain't going to beat out Melvin Gordon. We know that for a fact. And Melvin Gordon. He still can do it, both in the run game and the pass game. So I really like what he could do with a young quarterback there, give a quarterback some confidence. He can pass pro, He's good in pass pro, too. Melvin Gordon has improved on that quite a bit since he came in from Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And this just seems like a natural fit for me. Now, I just mentioned pass pro because I want to transition into this rookie class heading in here for the season here. And we both have different opinions here on who the top rookie running back is going to be. 
And I will throw full disclosure. I think you're on the same wavelength I am. It really depends on the landing spots of these running backs, more so this year than maybe last year. Last year, we had a few better options at the running back position. This year, it's kind of wide open. We don't have that guy, like that Najee Harris, that Javante Williams. I don't know if any of these running backs are there yet, but who knows? Maybe they turn into an Elijah Mitchell. We're not talking about him. And all of a sudden, Elijah Mitchell, he is a top three rookie running back from this last class. Can someone step up in that role? Major, who's that running back for you? Brees Hall is, is the man. Like like you said, I think the top three backs, you have Brees Hall, you have Isaiah Spiller, you have Kenny Walker. Those three, I think, are kind of interchangeable at this point. I think the draft, uh, uh, I mean, a combine is going to be really big for those three guys. But there's a like a cutoff after that. There's a drop-off. So, and to me, Brees is the most well-rounded of all. Um, I think he's probably the fastest one out of all of them. Really deceptive speed. The guy gets to the edge every single time. I'm like, he's not going to make it, and he makes it every time. Um, the guy's a good receiver out the backfield. I think all three of these guys really not that good at blocking at this point in their careers, but uh, I just think Brees, if he gets into one of these zone offenses, he's going to fit right in and be able to contribute right away. Um but to me, he's he's number one right now, just based off of size, speed, hands. To me, he's the the most well-rounded. If you would have asked me at the beginning of the season who my number one running back would have been, it would have been Brees Hall. I mean, he looked like out of Iowa State. We watched him for a couple seasons. He looked dominant. I mean, a little bit of a down year this year, I guess, if you want to call it that. But you mentioned Kenneth Walker. He came out of nowhere. He was not being used at Wake Forest. Also, right. he transfers over to Michigan State, absolutely goes off. Um, Kieran Williams there out of Notre Dame, another good running back. James like Cook, Georgia. Uh, Hassan Haskins there out of Michigan. And maybe my favorite running back. I don't think he's going to be the best running back, but he has that potential to be that Elijah Mitchell type running back. Rashad White out of Arizona State. Now, I don't want to get bit by the Arizona State. I fell in love with Kellen Balazs a few years back. I'm not going to do it again. Arizona State scares me as far as running backs are concerned. But he is exciting, especially in the past game, especially when he gets in open space. But for me... You mentioned him. For me, it's Isaiah Spiller as the top running back. Good vision, patience, uh, great uh, jump cut. He's got the burst. He's got good hands, tracks the ball well. But like most college running backs, he still needs to work on that pass protection. That's the difference, I think, for a lot of these running backs coming in compared to where they're at. Najee Harris, obviously, was solid coming out of Alabama as a pass protector. And he had to learn pretty quickly with that offensive line in Pittsburgh that he's going to have to pass protect more often than not. So for me, I got Isaiah Spiller as my top running back. You got Brees Hall. Either one of these, I think it's 1A, 1B, to be honest with you. I can see an argument for either one. And I really think it's going to come down to who lands where and what system suits these running backs the best. Because they really are very similar to each other. Both have size, both have power, both have some burst. So you know what? That is our running back watch list. Hey, keep listening because we're going to keep coming. Because next up, we've got the Dynasty running backs. We've got our rankings coming at you. Major's rankings, my rankings, and I'll tell you how, why, how, and why Major is wrong with his rankings. Stay tuned. Now it's time for some Dynasty running back rankings. We've got our running back guru. Way too major, double F, Major Caldwell, coming in strong. I'm going to talk to you about his 
top 12. We might even go deeper. Who knows? We've got 20 running backs ranked on each side. We'll see where the night takes us here. It's still young. But if you want to get more running back rankings, more projections, more analysis, head over to fantasypoints.com. Hey, you want to save money? You can do it right now, too. 30% off that subscription early bird special. I think that's going right up to the Super Bowl. Get that now while the getting is good. And I'll tell you what, you read some of these articles that are getting pumped out each and every week. Graham Barfield, Joe Dolan, uh, John Hansen. I mean, Wes Huber. Wes Huber has some of my favorite articles each and every week when he talks about his game hubs. You got to head over there. I mean, you will not be disappointed. Tell them Matt Donnelly sent you. Tell them the Viper sent you. And make sure you check out your Sunday. Major Caldwell, Nick Scripp, they're coming strong with the Fantasy Points show there every Sunday morning. That said, Major, number one running back. I don't think there's going to be an issue. We're, we'll skip everything else. Jonathan Taylor is the top dynasty asset at the running back position. I've got him number one. You've got him number one. There's really no debating on this. This is basically, though, where our list stops when we talk about <laughs> comparing to each other here. So, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, is there any reason for him not to be number one? No. Um, yeah, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, he's going to be the uh, running back one. He's probably going to be the number one player drafted in all these redraft fantasy uh, or startup dynasty leagues this year. Um, so yeah, we're the, I don't think anything can stop or anyone can overtake him this year. So that's, that's the number one. I mean, a season is not made in four weeks. If the season was only four weeks long. Okay. Maybe Jonathan Taylor is not the top running back because it takes him four weeks to get going. But when he gets going 20 touchdowns this season, 20 touchdowns, Austin Eckler. Hey, you know what? Kudos. Austin Eckler put up 20 this year as well. But Jonathan Taylor was next level with what he could do on the ground. I mean, there's no debate. But what we're going to start getting into a fist fight here is when we move on to number two, number three, number four. I mean, we I mean, the next time we actually agree on a player, maybe number 19 with David Montgomery. Okay. That's when our next agreement actually takes place. But major, who's that number two running back for you? How you want to you want to ping pong? You want to go back and forth, or you want to just run the list? Well, you know, just run your list here. Let's go. What? Let's go. Give me one, two. Uh, let's go five. Give me your top five off the get go here. Got you. So my top five, I'm gonna go Jonathan Taylor. I'm gonna go Joe Mixon. To me, he's another player that people don't talk about. He's still young. He's only 25 years old, and that Bengals team is they they have the momentum. That team's exciting. You have the three best wide receivers in the game. <laughs> on one team, you're going to have open lanes to run. So Joe Mixon is going to have a way easier um, path to, to to yardage than he did in the beginning of his career where he was just getting beat up because they had nothing else. Number three, I'm going Cam Akers. That, uh, again, I was high on him before the injury in the offseason. It really hurt me because I went out and grabbed him in every league. Um, but Seeing how he came back so fast, we spoke about it before. I'm not going to go too f- much further into that. Javante Williams, to me, is going to have a monster year being the only running back in that backfield. You've seen what he did when he had to split time with a veteran. And I think he really looked up to um, he really looked up to, to Gordon. Um, so I think he let Gordon be that like alpha out the backfield. But when he got in the game, he all he did was highlights. The guy's running over people making people miss. 
he's just one of those running backs that I think is going to kill. And uh, if they can get a quarterback in that system, they have three receivers there who people should fear. So it's going to be a lot of open lanes there. And then I'm going to round out my top five with Najee Harris. Um, he, to me, is Derrick Henry, but can catch the ball. So it's going to be harder for him, like Matt mentioned earlier in the show, without having a quarterback there is going to be hard, kind of like how Joe Mixon started his career. Um, but I think Najee, if he's not going to have a ton of rushing yards, he will produce for you in the receiving game. So look for a lot of check downs for, you know, from him, whatever quarterback is, is, is listed there. That's my top five. Who you got, Matt? I'll let you keep going here in a second, but I'm just going to comment on where I see kind of things play out there. Joe Mixon, love the talent, 25 years old, running back. I still, I think the best is still yet to come from him. Cam Akers at number three, still a little too rich for my blood. I mean, I've got him a lot further down my list. I still want to see how he fully recovers from this. I mean, I don't want to jump the gun here on one game of him having success because Maybe there's some fatigue. Maybe there's a higher risk of injury. I'm no doctor. I don't know this. I usually uh, let Edwin talk about that kind of stuff when we're at Fantasy Points there when it comes to medical type stuff. But I did stay at Holiday Inn Express once, so I feel pretty comfortable in my injury analysis as well. Uh, Javante Williams, I mean, tough to argue him there at number four. I've got him a little bit lower, but I've still got him within that same range. Najee Harris, again, same thing. I've got him right around that same range as well, so I really like where you've got him there in place. I mean, offensive line, quarterback, huge flag still going forward, but I think the talent wins out in the end. Now, give me a 6 through 12. Uh, so I'm going with, like, one of my guys. Like, this is – I'm an Antonio Gibson stand. Like, again, it's really what the quarterback is going to do. Like, if you – it's really hard to play running back when you're running against 11 in the box. So if they can get a quarterback to back some of these people up, you have one – you have Scary Terry out there, who so defense should double-team him, so that should take some people out the box, but there's no threat there because a the quarterback cannot get the ball on a consistent basis to the receivers. Um, the next, I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Swift, but I do like his running style. The guy can catch the ball, run a ball, very explosive. Uh, he's going to have a lot of opportunity in Detroit, and I kind of like what they're doing there. They can get another receiver in there. I kind of like what golf did. Golf wasn't too bad this year. So let's give a little a little love to golf. I think he's going to get that team going in the right direction. I think they found um, a receiver in uh, St. Brown. And then, again, my list is typically going to be younger guys. Um, but, you know, one of the older guys, probably one of the oldest ones, the first ones here, I'm going to go with Nick Chubb. To me, he – like running back wise, he may be the best running back with the power, the speed, the receiving. Um, the injury is starting to look a little, they're starting to hit him a little bit. So keep an eye on that. But Chubb to me is one of the most well rounded running backs in the game. Uh, and then you got to go Austin Eckler again. He gets no respect. All he do is puts up numbers 20 touchdowns in a season, receiving rushing the guy will make it happen for you every single time um derrick henry again he's an older guy but i've seen some of his off-season workout videos he's he's gonna be all right i don't 
being at 28, I think he's going to be the Tom Brady of running backs. He's going to he's going to last at least until he's 30, maybe 31. And if he's lucky, 32, he's was one of those guys who his body, the guy's 250 pounds running, a running a rock. So it's a linebacker at running back. He's going to be able to sustain any of this, you know, the workload and hopefully they can lessen that workload. Um, start throwing the ball a little bit more with Channing Hill and those monster receivers they have out there. And I'm going to go with uh, Dalvin Cook. He's one of those players. Injury is the only thing that can stop him. Um, there's going to be some question marks there in Minnesota with that quarterback situation as well. But you have Justin Jefferson there again. I think the uh, receivers are running back's best friend because they get those guys out the box. And I'm going to like round out that top. 12 with Alvin Kamara, Konami Code, the guy run the ball, receive the ball. But again, question mark at the quarterback position. If they can get that stuff solidified, I think he can get back to being one of those top five running backs. So he's he's one of those guys who can move up the board quickly. Who does is that yeah, it? I Okay. Yeah, no, I'm looking at your list here, and you know what? I, we kind of we, we're close together. A lot of things are different. I'm going to break down my top 12 here, and it starts with Jonathan Taylor right off the get-go. And I like to work in three-year kind of commitments here when I talk about my dynasty because I really think the running back shelf life is five years for a high-end running back. There's nothing guaranteed after that fifth year because that's usually when that fifth-year option gets exercised. And I talk about free agency. Once they get that big payday, it seems there's a bit of dip in production whether that's just the nature of the business there at that running back position. But for me, number two is still going to be Christian McCaffrey, right? I know he's 25. I know he's battled some injuries. I still think he's a high-end asset for the next three years. I mean, he's still the number two running back for me for the next three years. That puts him at 28. That puts him right where we're talking about Derrick Henry. Now, at number three, I want to get young because I got him a lot higher than what you've got him. I mean, when I say a lot higher, three to seven. DeAndre Swift, I don't think there's nothing that this this cat can't do out there. I mean, he can catch the ball. He can run the ball. He doesn't necessarily need wide receiver. doesn't necessarily need a quarterback. I mean, they've got St. Brown now established, and I can almost guarantee you Detroit is going to go out there and get themselves a good wide receiver. Maybe an Ellen Robinson-type wide receiver in the offseason. Who knows? But that should free things up for DeAndre Swift. I mean, he's faced stack boxes. Time and time again. His real value comes in the passing game, not as much as a runner. PPR, DeAndre Swift, way up there for me. Number four, Najee Harris. You talked about it right now. I mean, if this team can get a quarterback and an offensive line back in, if they can get all that, that's nothing major. We're not asking for a whole lot, just six more players. Um, Then Najee Harris could have a lot of success out there. We've seen what he could do this year with that line. If that line can improve at all, Bigger and better things are to come for him. And for me, at number five, I'm still going with an oldie here. He's still 26. Unlike you, I'm not an ageist when it comes to my running backs. It's Delvin Cook because I believe Delvin Cook is a different dog altogether here, just like Derrick Henry, just like Christian McCaffrey. They may be getting a little bit older. Austin Eckler, he's 26 as well. Nick Chubb, 26. I think 26 is still good. 26 to 28, 29. Once they hit that 29, that's when they start to drop off my on my list. So right now, 26, I'm still comfortable putting him there in the top five. Now, at number six, Javante Williams. You had him at number four. I'm not going to 
argue with that because I think Javante Williams is a fantastic back. I think that's right where he needs to be. He needs to be in that four to six range. And at number he's seven, I'm not one years old too. He's only 21. That's a big plus for him. Oh, absolutely. He's got a lot of football ahead of him. He got a good 800 yard start on every other running back his age typically does. Uh, at number seven, Alvin Kamara, again, 26 year old running back does it all. He's about a quarterback away from having a lot more success with the Saints. Uh, give me Nick Chubb at number eight. Joe Mixon, he's my biggest drop-off compared to you. I got him down at number nine. Now, it's not quite the Christian McCaffrey-type drop-off between us where you got Christian McCaffrey, but, I mean, Joe Mixon, no disrespect to him. 25 years old. I think number nine is pretty comfortable where he is. At number 10, Austin Eckler. Man, I love what Austin Eckler can do. 20 touchdowns we just talked about. What he can do in the passing game? What he can do in the running game? I mean, he can't catch 1,400 yards like, as a running back like Debo Samuel can, but you know what? He had a pretty successful uh, season pass catching. Now, Antonio Gibson's at number 11 and JK Dobbins. I've got him up at number 12. I told you in that roster, that running back watch list, go get yourself some JK Dobbins. I mean it. I really think a healthy JK Dobbins who led the league the season previous in yards per carry is going to do it again next year i think it's an acl we talked about this this is an injury that can be overcome yeah. i think jk dobbins having that acl injury at a young age is good for him because guess what he's only 23 and he's he had a whole season already he had that injury like right before the season began he is going to be a hundred percent come eta or whatever you want to call it before trading camp kicks off jk dobbins is going to be 100 he's probably close to 100 right now let's be honest what are your thoughts on that top 12 I'm with you. Um, again, I, I I like Antonio Gibson a little bit more than you do, and that Christian McCaffrey is the one that just like I can't, I can't, I can't put him in the top five anymore. Like two years in a row, he 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 burnt me like two two seasons in a row. So I, I'm out on Christian McCaffrey at this point. Yeah, I do hope he he's you know gets it back together, and if he does, I think he's going to be excellent. But um, I have them coming into this next section if we hit that. Oh, we're going to hit it. Absolutely, we're going to hit it. For me, Christian McCaffrey is that rare guy that I've got him ranked number two, but I'm going to I'm not going to draft him in startups. I'm not. I'm not going to have a pick that high to begin with where I'm going to feel comfortable taking him with the number two pick because we talked about it. The injury concerns are there, but the talent is there as well. Absolutely. If he is healthy, if he is healthy, he is even better for fantasy than Jonathan Taylor. You add, he is basically a top 15 wide receiver and a top three running back rolled up into one. When but, but with Chuba, but with Chuba Hubbard there, I think that's I think moving forward, he's not gonna have that much opportunity with Chuba there. Chuba looked I, I think he earned it. Chuba earned the right to so, some more time share there. Oh, I'll just wait till Christian McCaffrey ends up in Houston. Then we're having a different conversation altogether. Um, pretty cool. <laughs> anything else there in the top 12 that kind of catches your eyes? I know J.K. Dobbs is a little bit higher on my list than on your list. We know Joe Mixon is a little bit of a differential there as well as far as your list to mine. But yeah, now let's get into it. the – let's get into that uh, 13 through 20 range because this is where you're looking for that running back too. Who is that running back to that could possibly give you RB1 type numbers in Dynasty moving forward? We know who could possibly do it in redraft. Well, no, not really, because the guys that we typically believe are going to do it in redraft don't, and the guys that we don't believe in, Josh Jacobs, <laughs> end up doing it. So for you, 
whip off that 13 through 20 here for everyone listening. So I'm, I'm going to go with the person we just spoke about, Christian McCaffrey. And, and what you said to, to intro this section is 100% true. To me, at this point, I have him at a at an RB2 only because of the injuries. But he has an opportunity to be RB1. So, I, you know, I'm kind of down on him right now, but he has the talent. And, you know, the, the coaching staff, they love him. They give him the ball every play. I think that's the thing that's getting him hurt. So I think they need to figure that out. But um, I think Chris McCaffrey has a chance to, to get back to that top three status. Another one due to injuries. I'm going to say Quan Barkley here. Um, like you're mentioning with Najee Harris, with the offensive line, the quarterback and everything else. <laughs> they need a lot of help out there in, in, in New York. So if they can fix some of this stuff and I don't think he needs too much help. I just think he needs to get, a decent line. And once he has that thing, Bark can get back to where he was. Uh, and then I'm going to go Josh Jacobs here. I was kind of out on Josh Jacobs, but I, this little playoff run, he looked pretty good. I, I like, um, I don't know if it was a coaching thing that coach left and all of a sudden he's back to being a Josh Jacobs. We all fell in love with during the draft. Um, so I think if he can continue to, that momentum he got from these last few games here, I think he's going to be all right there in 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 uh, in Vegas. Um, then we're going to Elijah Mitchell. Like I mentioned earlier, this is one of the running backs that I got wrong. I said I don't get running backs wrong, but I didn't like his style. He in college to me is like a straight straight line runner. He he looked for contact and fell pretty much, but he ran hard. I like that about him. But now he's shifty. He's like he's a totally different running back than what I scouted uh, from college. And then I'm going to bring in the guy that Matt ended his list with on the top 12. I'm going to bring in J.K. Dobbins again. He's he's one of those guys that people tend to forget because he got hurt so early in the season. But only reason I did I haven't ranked this low is because your quarterback is probably the best running back on that team. Um, I think they're going to start passing a little bit more now that they have like Bateman. Um, so I don't, I don't think he's going to have as much opportunity. And and Gus the Buzz back there is pretty pretty good running back himself. So I think they're going to share that, you know, share the that workload back there. This next one I kind of cheated a little bit. I had to add my guy Ra Dre Stevenson in there. But the way we all know Belichick and what he does with running backs and. I don't know why he hates running backs, even with the jersey numbers. He doesn't even let the running backs choose their own numbers. He gives you the number. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but Harris is 37 and Ramondre is 38. No running back ever in the history wanted those two numbers. Those are the ugliest numbers in the history of running backs. So, you know, Ramondre is number 29. Uh, I think Harris was like, what was he like number? I think he had a single digit. So, they they get no respect there, so I kind of clumped them together, and I went Ramondre Harris because those two are going to be joined at the hip in that offense. And then I'm going to go with Devin Montgomery. I mentioned before, I'm not the biggest fan of his style, but he produces, and um, I think if they can get some stuff situated there in that, you know, with the quarterback, actually not even a quarterback, they need some receivers. They need some receivers to come in there and kind of, pull some people out the box there and then i'm going to go with um a running back who uh, 
kind of like Josh Jacobs, kind of a little rebirth in his playoff run. I'm going with Devin Singletary. Like, he's running the ball like a real running back. I love his style. Like, he's shifty. He's making you miss. He's running with power. Even at 5'7", he's running with power. Um, I think once the Bills kind of like, hey, we do have a running back here. Let's stop making our quarterback the best running back on, on the team. And he's showing that that running back that we all kind of fell in love with as a sleeper in that in that draft a couple of years ago. So um, that's I know I left out a lot of people like Aaron Jones. I'm big on him. Um, I'm big on both of those running backs in Green Bay. Um, but just age and opportunity and timeshare to me is going to weigh in on them. Uh, Zeke Elliott got left off of mine. I think he's on that that downhill that we were talking about. Uh, who else I left off? I like. Chris Carson. It's a lot of people left off. There's a lot of running backs out there. Um, but again, I typically like to go young with my with my running back list and sprinkle in a couple of the guys who are still on that uh, on the, on the acceleration part of that bell. They're not coming down yet. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. What you think, Matt? You mute, buddy. We mentioned Aaron Jones. He's not on that list of yours either. He's another one of those guys that you can make an argument for as well. Uh, for me, Derrick Henry is that guy who drops off somewhat for me. I mean, 28 is kind of that peak we talked about there. So I've got him at 13, much like you have Christian McCaffrey. Same reason. It's not saying that Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry won't be RB1 and RB2 next year or the year after. It's just there are some concerns that we both have, which we reason why we've got him a little bit down for Dynasty. We're talking about a three-, four-year period here. Now, right. at 14 – Agree with you 100%. I got Saquon Barkley right there. Maybe maybe a change of coach and all of that other stuff. He is still coming back from an injury. You've mentioned this on a few shows already, that it's going to probably take a little bit of time, and I think going into next year, he should be 100%, so to speak. That ankle injury really bothered him for much of the season. Now, here we switch back and forth. I have Elijah Mitchell ahead of Josh Jacobs. You have Josh Jacobs ahead of Elijah Mitchell. We've got him right there with each other. Yeah. Man, is Josh Jacobs, he's, he gets no respect either. We talk about Chris Carson getting no respect. Josh Jacobs is the same guy where he gets no respect when it comes to fantasy. And at the end of the year, he's still right there at RB12, RB13 when it's all said and done. Again, redraft, I've got him a little bit higher. Dynasty, a little bit lower because who knows what tomorrow brings. Who knows what Kenyon Drake means next season with a new offensive coordinator. He, uh, They're changing everything in Vegas right now, so we don't know what it's going to look like there. Uh, I got Cam Akers here down at 17 where you've got him at three. This is probably <laughs> the biggest gap of them all. And yeah. it's not a knock on Akers and his ability. It's all about I want to see a little bit more. I've got no problem moving him up. I want to move him up. But I want to see a little bit more how he's recovered from that Achilles. And then at number 18, I've got Ezekiel Elliott. Now, he just missed your top 20. He's probably, probably in that 21, 22, 23 range for you right now. Yep. So I've got him sitting there at number 18. I think that PCL injury that he had this year did affect him somewhat. I don't think he's as good as we thought he was going into the season. I am certainly not taking him in the first two rounds of a draft. For me, he has a third-round potential. When we talk, even talking redraft, I may take a chance at him in the third round, but I want to make sure I have myself a solid – RB1 before I do that. And then for me at number 19, right with you in lockstep here, David Montgomery. Another one of those guys that gets no respect. Last year, I think he was uh 
the season bef- before this last one, I think he was RB12 or RB. He was way up there. He was like RB6 or something or yeah. whatever number it was. He put another decent season here together. Lots of uh, moving heads there again in Chicago there. Matt Nagy out. We'll see what kind of dynamic the new head coach can bring in. Justin Fields, Darnell Mooney, David Montgomery. That's kind of the core for this Bears team moving forward. And then at number 20, another older running back. I could have gone with a Chris Carson. I could have gone Devin Singletary. I could have maybe gone with Ramondre. No, I couldn't have done that. I just couldn't <laughs> do that. I went with Aaron Jones because he is still doing it for the Green Bay Packers. Yes, A.J. Dillon is going to continue to get a little bit more action in there. But, hey, the Packers may be the most balanced team when it comes to run-pass ratio in the National Football League. Aaron Jones is still going to be a factor moving forward, not only this year, but two, three seasons down the road. I think he's going to be one of those running backs that can play until he's 29, 30 years old because of his past catching ability. We've watched guys, Gio Bernard, stick around, James White stick around because of their ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Even if, even if there's a bit of a decline in his running game where maybe A.J. Dillon takes over a little bit more, he is still going to factor in in the passing game. It's still what it's going to be. If Aaron Rodgers is still a Green Bay Packer, Aaron Jones still has top RB2 production left in him, regardless of the situation. As long as Aaron Rodgers is there, Aaron Jones is going to be there as well. Now, we talked about this rookie class. Isaiah Spiller, um, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Kieran Williams, James Cook, Hassan Haskins. I even mentioned Rashad White here. Who is the running back or running backs that could crack your top 20 as soon as next year. Again, I'm going to go with Brees. And I, I think it based solely off his landing spot. If he could get into one of these teams who run his own scheme, which he runs at uh, Iowa State, he will provide some dividends early. And I'm looking at spots like Miami. We talked about Chris Carson and, and uh, Penny out of Seattle. If he can get in Seattle or even if he can get into Atlanta, I think he could get you dividends right away. Um, but running backs is kind of hard for this question because I think it'll be someone we're not even thinking about, like Elijah Mitchell. There's going to be some guy in the draft that comes out of nowhere and we're like, oh, he's the top 20 back out of all the people we spent all this draft capital on. So, um, yeah, running backs is one of those that's the hardest one to, to answer this question. But uh, Brees is the one for me. Yeah, and I look at this here. There's there's potential. There is 15 to 20 potential here. Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker has that potential, right? Kieran yep. Williams has that potential. I, I think if we're looking for that, I mentioned him in when we talk about the running backs watch list on Rashad White. He has that potential because of what he can do in space as a pass catcher. He is so dynamic. His biggest flaw is he runs upright, which typically is that. not good for a running back, right? But maybe they kind of split him out as a running back. Maybe he turns into the next Debo Samuel type player. I don't know. Because we know one thing about the National Football League. It is a copycat league. We are going to find teams right now looking up and down their rosters, talking to their college scouting directors. Who is that next Debo Samuel? Who is that next guy who can catch 1,000 yards and run for 800? Who is that going to be? Maybe it is Rashad White. And maybe we're talking about him as that guy. Cordero Patterson is that guy in Atlanta. We saw that. We see how the Falcons use him. And Debo Samuel kind of came. Copycat League, National Football League. 
who is going to be that next guy that does what we are all looking for here. I don't know who it is. I don't know if this draft class has that person, but I mean, we know the teams are going to look for it. There's no question in my mind. And we are going to see players be used in that similar role. Now, will they have success? Probably not. Debo Samuel's a special dude. Cordell Patterson is special. These are special players that can do what they're doing. I don't know if there's someone that can fill that role moving forward, but you know what? Teams are going to try. It's that simple. Now, Major, let everyone know one more time where to find you. Yeah, every Sunday, Fantasy Points, Extra Points show with my guy Nick Strip. We talk player props. We talk uh, Monkey Knife Fight and Thrive Fantasy, um, our, our partner apps there. Um, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I am sleepy, but yeah um yeah so yeah catch me sundays doing that show and we right now think we're on a pause with the playoffs and everything but we'll be coming back soon with more content for you guys well you know who's not on a pause right now that's cranking out stuff here with fantasy points this guy right here if you're listening to me on an audio version i've got both my thumbs pointing right at me right now Hey, head over to the Vipers Network. I've got the game day previews that you're looking for. I am going to break down the Bengals and the Titans. I'm going to break down the Bills and the Chiefs. I'm going to talk Packers, 49ers, and I am going to talk about the Bucks and the Rams. I'm going to give you an inside look, some an analysis there, some data. And you bet, you know what? I'm going to bring a lot of that information over from fantasypoints.com because I have my subscription and you should go get yours too. And you can get it for 30% off right now. So head over to fantasypoints.com. And with that being said, we will see you next week. Take care. Now.